Network with the top tier of the industry at this year's California Trina Conference. Featuring presentations from the top executives from CDFA and California's Trina Commodity Boards. Register at WCNGG.com and we'll see you in Tulare on November 3rd at the California Trina Conference. This podcast is sponsored by Soil and Crop Incorporated, your number one resource for sustainable crop nutrition by putting nature to work for you. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by the top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazine. Here is your host, Taylor Chalstrom. Hi, welcome to My Ag Life. Today, we're talking with Rich Krebs, CCA and SSP and contributing writer about keeping trees thirsty by manipulating soil salt content. Welcome back, Rich. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Rich, my first question for you here, why is keeping trees thirsty by manipulating soil salt content an important practice as harvest winds down here? Well, I think that's, um, you know, putting it in, in a perspective that way of keeping trees thirsty, where I was kind of going with some of the thought process on that. And one of the latest articles was the fact that uh, I, I created an analogy of sitting at a bar and a guy puts pretzels in, in front of you. The more pretzels you eat, the more beer you drink. So the bar does a whole lot better. Well, if you put that analogy into trees, you can kind of do the same thing by keeping things uh, going up, all fertilizers are salts. And if you get the salts right, where the tree wants to draw on those salts back up into you know, the leaves and get them actually into the tree, um, you're going to take water in a lot better. You're going to utilize water a lot better. The problem is when we talk about salt, what people are really talking about is sodium. So all fertilizer is pretty much salt. Sodium is the big issue. And if sodium takes the spot in a tree uh, where potassium would go or later magnesium, calcium, that kind of thing, you've, you've basically blocked that receptor. So the good stuff can't get in and it's been replaced with the bad. So you can keep your trees thirsty by adding salt to your water, but trying to do it with one good salt and two in the right amounts. When we overdo it at any specific uh, fertigation event, if it's too salty, um, you're not gonna take in a whole lot of water. And if the ground is extremely salty, it's gonna pull harder on your water than your roots can pull um, through osmosis. So it's, it's, a, it's a yin and yang. There's a lot of give and take in trying to get the salts right. But when you do utilize the salts right, it in essence makes your trees thirsty and you actually pull more water. You're using that term good salts and bad salts. I'm curious what constitutes a good salt uh, versus a bad salt. So definitely uh, your good old fashioned table uh, salt, sodium chloride. Nobody puts in a fertilizer where they're sucking in sodium chloride, but chlorides coming out of well water is it's gotten worse over the years. Uh, there'll be a lot of chlorides that are in the water now. And there's a lot of sodium as well that's in the water. In addition to all the sodium that's still in soils that are sodic and in particular alkaline as well. So as far as the good salts are concerned, calcium and nitrate love to go in together. So if you've got a good balanced, um, a calcium nitrate, a calcium ammonical nitrate, a urea ammonical nitrate, those things with proper cations like magnesium and calcium and potassium can be very beneficial in creating a, a so-called good salt uh, and, and combining to go into a plant together. Rich, in that recent article you were referencing uh, in West Coast Nut, you say that, quote, over applications like you uh, are talking about a little bit can create more havoc than the benefits that we were trying to achieve. Can you kind of explain that ideology further? 
Yeah, and I think most of that is easily relatable to nitrogen. So um, at the latest crop consultant conference, Keith Backman was talking about the overapplication of nitrogen, which happens a lot. And so oftentimes a farmer hears, you know, you're putting on too much nitrogen and immediately thinking he's just being berated for the amounts that he's putting on. But it's those big 50 and 60 unit slugs um, that go in in a, in a particular slug at a particular time. If you think about nitrogen and a lot of Keith's research over you know, a lot of years of, of brilliant work has said that, you know, typically a tree is going to take up 10 units a week. So if you're putting on 50, 60 units, if a tree can't take that up in six units or six weeks and the water hasn't been managed properly, you're pushing that nitrate right below the root zone and it's going back out. So same thing happens with salts. We do these massive slugs. If we've over applied anything, if a, if a plant can't take it up, and in particular, you've put on too much magnesium or calcium, and you've got excess phosphorus that's in the ground that is not broken down or it's in a polyform that just is not breaking down, uh, your cations are going to reattach to that and create the rock we tried to mine in the first place to, to get those nutrients into a plant. So over-application can be just as detrimental as under-application. Okay. So you're saying some of the other nutrients in the soil can affect kind of how the salt performs and reacts in the soil. 100%. Um, I think we overlook that often. You look at the milli equivalents of what's coming out in the water, which actually tells you what your plants are drinking. What's actually solubilized in the water is different lots of times than the total load on a soil test of what the acetate rinsed. So when you compare those two numbers together, you may be only getting two, four, five percent of the calcium you think you're going to get with a balanced soil. Um, and the amount of calcium you've got in that soil, that's not actually what is being solubilized in the water. So the total load of all those nutrients, calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, you need to weigh those against what the plants are actually drinking in the soil solution, and then balance those just as much as getting the soils balanced and your ratios proper. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. Hi, we're back talking with Rich Krebs, CCA, SSP, and contributing writer about keeping trees thirsty by manipulating soil salt content. Rich, does manipulating soil salt content differ amongst the types of tree nuts that are out there, or is it more dependent on you know, existing soil conditions or maybe even fertilizer choices? The actual manipulation of the soil salt uh, is still uh, done as a basic practice in general on just trying to make the ideal soil. So those calculations are, um, it's just math and and science and, hey, if I do this, this is going to happen. If you think about the actual weight of soil, every six inches is two million pounds in an acre. So to go down to two feet, you know, eight million pounds that's a whole lot of soil that we've got to manipulate. So fall uh, applications, dry mixes, um, different amendments that we're putting on, you have to put on massive amounts to actually make a difference in the percentages to what you're doing in the, in the soil to manipulate that particular salt. So um, that being said, that's all done the same way. But an almond tree, 
you start getting to that four and five EC range and you're just way too salty where a pistachio tree is still doing fine there and may not have an issue till it gets to eight or nine EC uh, or a, you know, a 10 on the, the sodium absorption ratio. So yes, the crop is, is definitely makes a difference. Uh, almonds can't handle the salt like pistachios can. Pistachios are going to be better than walnuts. Walnuts are going to be better than, than almonds. So you definitely need to know not only uh, what you're growing, but also what rootstock you put it on to make sure that that will handle the soil that it's in. If you say, you know, pistachios can handle salt and salt manipulation a little better, does that also follow along the same line that they can handle some of these bad salts maybe better than the other trees? It's a great question. Quite frankly, I would tell you that, yeah, that's probably going to be the same thing, but uh, it goes back to, again, what salt are we talking about? Typically, it's sodium that's going to be an issue. So when your soils are already alkaline and they're sodic, uh, your sodium's high and your pH is up, um, you're, you're going to be able to handle that soil better with a pistachio crop than an almond crop, but you really don't want it to you know, put any of your trees in, in sodic saline solutions without trying to do some sort of manipulation to the water you're putting on those trees. Uh, and that goes to another point that it's easier to manipulate the root zone than worrying about the entire 2 million pounds in every six inches of soil. What can we do on the berms and in the wetting pattern where all the roots are growing? Rich, another thing you mentioned in your article, you talked about rainfall a lot, how it's important for kind of flushing or rinsing out the soils with that higher quality water that is, of course, coming from the rain. How can growers really achieve that effect, that rinsing effect during times of drought? Another great question. Times of drought has changed everything. So uh, especially when it's been manipulated by the government. So I don't want to get political on you, but uh, when we are now in, uh, in year two of this drought, we're where we were in the last drought in year four, uh, that is man-made. So we've got some issues. Was it awful this year for rainfall? Yes. So when I'm telling growers, hey, this is what we have to do to exacerbate your leaching fraction. Um, you know, put this out at this time, right before it rains, we're going to get a half an inch and we're going to be able to push uh, this much excess sodium through your root zone. Uh, that only works if a guy's got a well that's actually a decent amount of water to put on. If, if he's not able to get any kind of surface water delivery, which hasn't happened for a lot of growers this year. So uh, a lot of the advice that we like to give, and it's an easy blanket statement for a crop advisor or sustainability specialist to say, hey, just do this. And a grower kind of laughs at you and say, how would you like me to do that? Because I have no way of making that happen. So um, if you're, you do have the well water uh, and it is bad at the end of the season, like it often is, especially when now the well that what you're drawing off of is at a higher bad concentration than it would be in a year that is not already well into a drought, uh, there's going to be issues. You've got to acidify that water. You've got to break up the calcium carbonate that's in that water to try to then have the calcium take the place of the sodium. Uh, and you've got to add even more water now to try to increase the leaching fraction. So it sounds counterintuitive to put on more bad water uh, to make a difference, but it really does if you have broken up the good cations to take the place of sodium. But you got to have water to do it. So with rainfall, that's the best way to make that happen. Definitely. I, I'm curious kind of what that bad water, uh, could it get to such a point for a grower, if their water is just so bad that, you know, it is more detrimental for them to put it on the tree rather than just not water the trees at all? Well, uh, we had some growers that were dealing with water issues early in the year. And when almond prices were still cheap, that just said this year, we're all we're going to do is keep our trees alive. And they literally went out and knocked all the nuts off and pruned them back hard 
so that the tree, all its job was now was just to survive and look forward to 2022. Um, that's terrible. I hope no other growers have to do that at all. And we have a great, wonderful wet winter. If we don't, and the government continues to do what it's doing now, we're going to run into those issues where a guy says, look, it's just, it's not worth me putting on this bad water. So uh, we're going to have to make changes quickly. Um, and, you know, when someone like me is saying this change needs to happen, I am not just uh, a fat cat sitting in a beautiful irrigation district where I've got wonderful water if they do open up the valves again and I can make a difference. Uh, my driveway is literally the boundary of a white area. So I am completely 100% reliant on well water. I plant cover crops. I put mulch down. Everything I can do to try to hold more water in the root zone so I can get away with growing a crop with less water being put on especially if it's going to be bad water. So um, everyone that's listening right now, <laughs> put your hands together and pray for rain. Um, hope God and mother nature come through for us and make something happen. Otherwise with the, the condition our reservoirs are in right now, we will be in a world of hurt if we run through another year like this year. Definitely valid points there, Rich. I'm curious about one other thing you mentioned in the article, you talk about uh, fertilizers salinity index and kind of the importance of that when deciding on what to apply to soil. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, certain salts are going to pull a lot harder than other salts. So um, there are companies out there that, that manipulate water that we put on an irrigation. And, and sometimes you hear the term, we make water wetter, you know, something along those terms. Well, they're not exactly wrong. It sounds funny, but changing how, uh, you know, polarity or how water actually moves through soil can make a difference. Well, if, if a, a fertilizer has a very high salinity index, uh, like sodium nitrate or um, even ammonia nitrate, something with a high salinity index, uh, higher salts are going to pull harder on water than others. And as your soils get bad and they have a larger salt content and especially of a salt that has a higher salinity index, the soil actually pulls harder on water than a root can pull on to try to get water into that root. So um, the, the higher uh, salinity index and specific fertilizers can be detrimental and you can get away with stuff with a lower index, uh, if need be in, you know, critical years when you're trying to make something happen. So that's really important to go over with your CCA to see what form of nutrition you're putting on and how do you then create something with a lower salinity index to make sure it goes into the plant and just doesn't add to the total salt load of the ground and pull on your water. Definitely. Uh, if you could kind of help me visualize the, uh, the physical process that's happening when that polarity is, is too high for the roots to, to compensate. So is it basically pulling the water past the roots and down into the profile where they just simply cannot reach it anymore? Is that kind of what's going on there? Uh, gravity actually does, um, does more of that than what the salt's doing. But if you think about a root that is just a vertical root that's going straight down into the ground. So on either side of that root are, is going to be your soil that also has your cations, your anions, and when they're together, they're specific salt. But when they do solubilize and break apart, everything's a charge. Calcium's got a double charge, magnesium's a double charge, sodium's single, potassium single, uh, sulfate's gonna be you know, single, so, um, but either negative or positive. So water, when it breaks apart, whether it's uh, it's, we call it H2O, but you're going to have hydrogen ions. You're going to have, uh, your hydroxide ions and combined together in balance at a perfect pH of seven, they all sit there in perfect harmony. When something's more acidic, you have more H when something is more basic, you have more OH. And so those things are going to be attracted and OH is going to be more attracted at a negative charge to a double 
positive charge calcium and pull harder that direction towards the calcium than a plant trying to grab that hydroxide and take it into itself. So if that made sense, it's, it basically all comes down to thinking about your battery. It's just charges in which way that water is gonna move now on what factions of soil and what factions are happening in your root, who's pulling harder. It's a massive tug of war and it's all based on charges. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, Rich. Uh, my last question for you here, any other tips for growers that you might have to manipulate their soil salt content as we go into the fall here? Yeah, if you are under what we talked about earlier, the parameters of just not having water, um, you can go out with some ground, some gear-driven rigs and even put out uh, acidifying products uh, into the crotch of the berms, spe specifically over the wetting patterns of the roots right before it rains to try to let Mother Nature take some of that in, break up some more of the salt uh, to try to allow then calcium, magnesium, potassium to attach to your soil and, and run sodium through. If you do have some water and you can get away with a short irrigation set four or five hours um, right when it starts raining and then let Mother Nature with cleaner and more acidic water actually do the, the heavy lifting for you and the rinsing, um, that is certainly helpful. Any organic matter you can increase, 1% um, increase in organic matter in the ground will hold 20,000 more gallons per acre. So planting cover crops that are brought up by rainwater when we do get rain. You're not utilizing irrigation for the cover crop, let mother nature do it, but now you're increasing the organic matter. Uh, the chlorophyll content of that crop that now gets put back into the ground is gonna increase your magnesium. Um, the nitrate from the air, uh, nitrogen from the air is now gonna be fixed and put into the ground, which will enable us to use less fertilizer if we've stored it into the roots of legumes. So um, a lot of the things we've heard for years, but now make a whole lot more sense when we're running into a water crisis uh, will certainly help a grower get away with using less water, especially if it next year goes to $25, you know, $100 an acre foot or, or higher. Uh, everything you can do to hold more in the root zone is going to be very beneficial. Definitely. I, I appreciate your emphasis on, on the cover crops and kind of the sentiments there. Thank you, Rich, for coming on and talking about manipulating soil salt content as well. Really important practice. As always, appreciate you coming on. Well, always a pleasure to speak with you. Love your passion and, uh, and, and your gift of trying to help our growers understand this better and doing better practices. And uh, we'll, we'll find a way as farmers to get through this. So thank you for your passion. Yep. That's all we can do. Appreciate it, Rich. This is Taylor with My Ag Life signing off. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.